The governor hits the road. Why Mike Pence is already conducting campaign rallies statewide. When Donald Trump considers a running mate, will he think of Pence or Dan Coats? Indiana Republicans warm up to Trump. The selection of a new state Supreme Court justice and a true outsider running for Congress in Fort Wayne. That plus preparations for the 100th running of the 500 and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending May 13, 2016. <music> Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Mike Pence hit the road starting a four-day campaign swing. He wants to talk about jobs in the economy, and he's doing his best to tie his record to that of Mitch Daniels, his popular predecessor. Pence is traveling in a campaign bus along with supporters and Lieutenant Governor Eric Holcomb. It's an unusual trip given that the November election is still almost six months away. He is talking about his record, but he's also talking about the record of John Gregg. Here's an example. Speaker John Gregg took Indiana from a $2 billion surplus to $800 million in deficit. Where we've cut taxes every year that I've been your governor, Speaker John Gregg voted to raise taxes. I have never done a political protest until today. This is the first time, and he's drove me to this. And that's one of about a dozen protesters who greeted the governor. They object to his positions on social issues, including abortion and LGBT rights. What's behind the Pence strategy? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. And Delaney, will this energize Republicans? <laughs> he has to bring Republicans back into the fold first. I mean, all the emphasis he's put on these social issues that Mitch Daniels didn't want to touch during his eight years in office, and all the damage he's done to the state of Indiana. And then, you know, then he comes back and he wants to talk about jobs. Well, you know, he's up, he was up in Kokomo and one of the automotive plants. Well, he voted against the money to, to help the automotive industry in Indiana. He wants to talk about preschool. Well, he turned down $80 million in federal funds, our tax money for preschool, and on and on and on. I mean, he, his, his record has been so abysmal in that regard, and it's not simply jobs. Mitch Daniels said that the only measure of success for the governor is growth and in personal income, and personal income has shrunk on his watch. Uh, he's held us up as an example, all right, the states like North Carolina, but that's about it. Um, I was interested in the fact that he's both going after John Gregg and trying to tie himself to Mitch Daniels. That's not something that he did at this stage four years ago. I, I think it's a game on. I think, a, I think it's a smart strategy, one, to start immediately after the primary. Uh, I was always taught in, that uh, the public's attention span on elections doesn't stop on primary day. People are still paying attention afterwards. 
but nobody's running commercials afterwards, immediately afterwards. So it's a smart buy to start now and start laying this foundation about the message. He does have a great message on jobs. The commercial that they put out there is one of the best I've seen in a long time, probably as good a producer commercial as I've seen since Morning in America stuff. I mean, it's that good, the quality. A lot, of people, so, a lot of people think it's it's an ad for a morning well, uh, newscast. You, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's outstanding. <laughs> it's, they're running a lot of it, and it's working, and it's, it's, it's a good message. So it's smart to do it now before all the clutter of the, the two national conventions and the Olympics and all the other stuff when nobody else is out there. And uh, it's, it's a good thing for him to be out there doing it now. And I'm, I'm energized by this thing. I think they're going to have a great campaign. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that they're going to hit it head on. And they need to do that because so, if they so, sit back like they did last time and just yeah. let people beat on them without responding, uh, you know, John Gregg, there's a real contrast here. I mean, deficits, big time deficits, tax was votes John on Gregg, well, Wait a second. Was John Gregg in, in charge of the entire go- of government? Well, you didn't he have will be, he will be when this campaign goes. Let's throw this one to <laughs> John. So let's throw this one to John because what, what, what Mike Pence is doing is he's attaching uh, Frank O'Bannon's record to John Gregg, essentially. Gregg was Speaker at the time. Yeah. But everything and that happened then, the everything that, um, that's what I'm getting at. Everything okay. then was, uh, was approved by a Republican state Senate. Exactly. So does it he stick? He still had his hand. He was Speaker Look, of the House. It, I, I think maybe instead of a bus, it could be a, an ambulance or a mobile clinic because this is health care initiative in that it's inoculation time. It's, it's preventive medicine. It's clear that, that John Gregg, uh, it'll clear, it's clear what he did because he did it, you know, four years ago. Uh, there's a perception that, he, that we know where he will, what he senses is the, the, the weaknesses in terms of some of the social mm-hmm. issues and uh, RIFRA and so forth. So the best way to, and hence the reference to uh, preventive health care, inoculate. And you go okay. out by talking about what I think everybody stipulates is on the minds of voters, not just in Indiana and everywhere, which is why it may explain to a certain extent Donald Trump. It's all about jobs and job security and the economy. It's all about money, too. Well, yeah. it's anxiety, economic anxiety. Right, which so, he's fostered. So the way to inoculate so that when John Gregg starts leveling criticism, well, people in these counties have already had a chance to say, right. well, yeah, the governor's yeah, been yeah, here talking yeah, about yeah, jobs. Yeah, yeah. And, all right, and John. got a good story to tell. So. John Katzenberger, they, he, where's, where's John Greg? Well, I think that's a very good question. Now, John Gregg did have a commercial that was released on the internet uh, the day after the. the uh, it, it, uh, it, it hit television. It hit television two days after the primary and, and two days before the governor's ad. And I have yet to see it on television. I watch morning television. I've seen the Pence ad all over the, the television. I haven't seen the Gregg ad yet. So the question is, where is John Gregg? Uh, and John Gregg has run, I think, uh, to this point raise a lot of money and let the governor um, you know, maybe put some health self in harm's way on some issues. But he needs to, to, to make himself known at this point because the governor is going to define him if he doesn't define himself. Well, right. Right. The, 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 the other thing that's issues. interesting about this is that Mike Pence has broken his, re- broken his promise already because he started with negative campaigning and he started out of the shoot with negative, negative campaigning. Campaign. Yes, he has. Talking about his yes, record is not has. negative he campaigning. He started with negative that's campaigning. Yes, no. I'll never I mean, do another negative 
worst it. campaign of my life. That's a lying, you know. never do it again. I think, I think you're jumping the gun. I <laughs> yeah, think, I think, so. well, I think he will. Come, I think, man. yeah, it'll come. He's going to break his promise. He's going to break his promise. He'll be here when he does. All right, time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, why is Mike Pence conducting campaign rallies so early? Your choices are A, it makes sense, B, he's running scared, or C, because he can. Last week's question, what is the most lasting image from the Indiana primary? 24% said Heidi Cruz being elbowed in the face. 35% said Carly Fiorina falling off a stage. 41% said Donald Trump yelling at protesters. Good stuff. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. Dan Coates and Mike Pence are dismissing speculation that one of them could become Donald Trump's running mate. People are dropping their names because they have qualities that match the criteria Donald Trump has established. Trump wants a running mate who is a politician with Washington experience. Politico.com quoted GOP insiders as saying that Tennessee Senator Bob Corker is a good pick, but they named Coates second. The website quoted a longtime friend of Coates saying that, quote, everyone loves him, he's a governing choice, clean as a whistle. The same article cited a source who said that Pence has received vetting overtures from Trump Tower. Eight days ago, I asked Trump about the Pence endorsement of Ted Cruz. Here's his answer, followed by a new Pence endorsement of Trump. I think Mike Pence does want me, and I like Mike Pence. I think Donald Trump will do very well in the Hoosier State. I look forward to campaigning with him in the days ahead. They want a conversation and not a bombast, and Donald just seems to always take it one step too far. And that's Dan Coats last year criticizing the way Trump addresses the voters. Mike McDaniel is the political story based on fantasy. When I saw this story, you know, I love it because I, I would imagine that they're doing something like this in just about every state. You know, one of the best strategies you could have was be put out a couple of names in every state so that people think that our guy's been considered for vice president. <laughs> right. Well, in the case of Dan Coates, you know, clearly a pristine record as United States senator, uh, an ambassador to Germany. And so he's got a lot of experience. Well, it looks good. He bit, be, but, but he issued a statement. His spokesman mocked yeah. Donald and, Trump and, in a statement and said he, he said has he's huge gonna spend, plans for He's going to spend next summer watching the Cubs, yeah, is yeah, what he said. Yeah. And, Which and is how I he spent that. the last he's, six years. He's yeah. ready to retire. That's consistent. You know? he's, he's ready to do that. So, you know, I dismiss these kind of stories because I'm sure they do this all over the country so that somebody can say our guy's being considered but for vice president. Only five names mentioned yeah, in, but, this, in this article. Um, Pence says I, he, I do think I do think they want a somebody that's got some Western experience. And I think that's necessary. <laughs> yeah. that's but I would Donald I would Trump. guess that we're looking at somebody like a Portman from Ohio because there's yeah. a state that could decide the right. presidency, or maybe even somebody that's been there, done that. Somebody like Newt yeah. Gingrich, somebody to come along that can know way around Washington yeah. to get some stuff done. So that's what I think they're going to do. Pence said, I have no interest in that. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't want to lose two elections on the same night, so I'm sure that's probably <laughs> well, the Well, he's going to win And the, the problem with this race, is he's, he's out here now endorsing Trump, okay? So right. he's with Trump. He's with Trump's position on Muslims. He's with Trump's position on immigrants. He's with he's Trump's a, position he, on abortion. He, he, Wait a second. What like is John Trump's Greg position is on abortion? On what, is, what is his question? Is like John Gregg is with Hillary yeah. on coal? Yeah. You know what? Anybody on, who thinks that we're going to go retrofit yeah. all our utilities to go back okay. to coal you go is tell, in fantasy. You go okay. tell all the people that are employed. There aren't that, that many so people employed in Indiana I personally anymore. think 
John Kensenberger, I think that Dan Coates is out of the question here. But if Donald <laughs> Trump called Mike Pence and said, will you be my running mate, what would he say? Oh, my. Uh, that would be a very interesting call. And it would be hard. If Hillary called Evan by, what would he it say? It would be hard to he say no. say yes. He, he'd answer the phone before she finished dialing. I, I think the, the answer is clearly yes. If the president, if it, uh, you know, the person who's been nominated to yeah. be president in your party calls and asks you to be the vice president, Even if it's you're going to say yes. Yeah. Well, Evan Bayes you know, on record this week as saying that he would say yes. He you would know, say yes. yes. I have That's heard, no however, surprise. Jim, that there was a third Hoosier. There was a third Hoosier who was mentioned on that list. Rex. Rex Early. Rex Early. Oh dear um, God. Somebody. Sorry. That's okay. Somebody. Somebody on my Facebook page this week said Rex could charm the scales off a snake. Um, and probably has on more than one occasion. <laughs> does it, all this the name game? Does it help these guys? Does it hurt them? It's fun. I mean, the, this kind of speculation, but I, I, it. Uh, I doubt it will be anybody who has the pick will be anybody who has been mentioned, and you know, an, I, a, a, an obvious pick, and I, and I'm somewhat facetious, but not entirely. If you're looking at somebody with Capitol Hill experience, who has a profile and a, an ability to motivate voters and mobilize them. Bernie Sanders is the, and I'm only being somewhat facetious. Trump. Listen, yeah. because he's not going with Donald hey, Trump. Hey, hey, hey! Listen, if you have the same Bernie, target Bernie audience, which is the, the disaffected, disaffected, yeah. Bernie would not take the call. Would take the, well, Bernie voters in Virginia said they wouldn't vote for well, Hillary. Yeah. 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 That would be a formidable right. ticket. I'm telling you. All right, now the Indiana Trump campaign did little outreach to party leaders in advance of the May 3rd primary. They are lining up endorsements now and plan to reveal them soon. When Donald Trump conducted rallies here, he relied on celebrity endorsements. State Representative Sean Everhart was the highest elected official to appear on stage. Since then, the governor has endorsed Trump, and Trump Indiana Vice Chair Tony Samuel says that members of Congress and party leaders will follow suit. Throughout the, the, the month of April, we, uh, we had more that joined, and, and now we have even, even more after the primary uh, that, that are signing up. The people who have you endorsed you don't include members of Congress or, or the U.S. Senate. Well, I have had some, but I don't, I don't think it's important. From Indiana. Yeah, I just don't think it's important. I hope those that have said they won't support him now would reconsider and before they cast their vote on uh, Election Day in November would end up voting for him. And that's former Indiana Senator and Vice President Dan Quayle, who says the GOP needs to unite behind Trump. John Ketzenberger, will Indiana Republicans unite behind Trump? It's going to be interesting to see. Um, there are some very strong feelings that were expressed before the election uh, against Trump. Um, these are people who have long-held Republican uh, credentials, and they tend to be Republicans who um, are not very far right. I mean, they're, they're conservative. They are moderate, more likely, on social issues, and I think that they have a philosophical problem with Donald Trump. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. I can't answer your question because there's a lot of time between now and then, uh, but I think it's a real dilemma for a lot of Republicans in the state. The Mike Pence endorsement, does that encourage other Republican leaders to, to come yeah, along? I, I, I mean, what else, if you want to get engaged and be involved, where else are you going to, and you want to endorse somebody or something and you're a, a Republican incumbent? I guess that's pretty much your your only uh, only option. But I think John's right. You can't really predict at this point because even in a traditional year, where the can and by that I mean the candidates are sort of buttoned down, are normal, they're, they're buttoned down. They, they they are on message. The goal is right. to stay on message and not have any surprises. Yeah. That's all out the window. So yeah. you know to say that it's a long time between now and election day would be tip, would be standard and appropriate for any election cycle. This year, 
Next yeah. week would be too long to predict. Okay, uh, you were a Kasich guy. Mm-hmm. You 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 going to get on board with Absolutely. Trump? Absolutely, I'm going to vote for Trump. I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Are you kidding me? Most people in Indiana won't. They'll come around and support the Republican nominee. Uh, I think that's not going to be a problem before it's over because Hillary is such a lightning rod for so many people. The best thing <laughs> she's one of the best things we have going for us, quite frankly, that she's. Yeah. The, their nominee. Well, they're so we're going like, to support a misogynist. Are, are You're going to support a misogynist who refers to people support somebody of to my Biller gender Trump. with a three-letter word. We'll be Biller. Yeah. We'll beat Hillary yeah. Trump. Well, we'll see. Every Hillary, time. Hillary, yeah. We'll see. All right. Hillary we'll Trump. We'll see. Yeah. Mike Pence's choice to fill a vacancy on the state Supreme Court is a founding member of the Federalist Society, a group of conservative and libertarians who believe limited government is the answer. He's also a partner in the Taft Law Firm. Jeffrey Slaughter was one of three finalists chosen by the Judicial Nominating Commission. He has no judicial experience, but the governor selected him over two sitting judges. He will fill the vacancy created by the retirement of Justice Brent Dixon. I'm not replacing Justice Dixon. Nobody can do that. I'm merely succeeding him, but I'll do my best to try to live up to the the values of professionalism and civility for which he's so well known. Throughout his nearly 30-year legal career, Jeff has demonstrated a first-rate legal intellect, an unparalleled understanding of the Constitution and antitrust law. John Schwannis, is that a surprising choice? I guess you might assume that, that somebody who's been a sitting judge might have an advantage. But, uh, you know, one good thing about the Indiana system, and I'll say this, uh, I really like the way the judiciary operates in this state compared to others. You know, you don't have elected judgeships at the appellate and Supreme Court level, which I'm thankful for. Uh, I think that leads to some bad things. And the way that Indiana sends the nominees to the governor, and ultimately it's the governor's pick, but the governor is dealing, picking among three ostensibly very qualified people who've been vetted and been subjected to public uh, scrutiny and public interviews. So you're not really going to get a, a, you know, a a bad apple, one would presume, in the Indiana system. Okay, so Democrats have been raising Kane, saying that uh, since the president's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court isn't being considered because it's an election year, that Mike Pence shouldn't have acted. His response is, uh, state law requires me to fill a vacancy within 60 days. If I don't do what the chief justice does, is that an adequate answer? Yes, because it's the case. Now, the politics are interesting, and I certainly can understand the frustration of Democrats who look at the national situation and see a similar, uh, a parallel situation. Uh, but that's immaterial when it comes to filling in the Indiana, Indiana Supreme Court. Uh, I think uh, Jeffrey Slaughter uh, is, as John said, all the candidates would have been terrific. I think he's a terrific choice. Um, he's got bipartisan support. He's worked with uh, people on um, all sides in all issues. And I think one of the things that was one of the benefits for him over maybe the, the ju- judges who were in the finalists is that he had extensive trial uh, experience uh, and civil litigation experience. And I think there's a perception that that's lacking with uh, Justice Dixon retiring from the court and some of the changes that might be coming in the next few years, um, that that was a particular strength in his case this time. This was Mike Pence's first choice. I think he's an excellent choice. I I agree that the frustration is there because the the, the Republicans will not do their job in Washington like they're obligated to do. They just throw that out. But I think Jeff Slaughter is a good choice. And I think, frankly, that the lack of judicial experience is a plus. Part of what the problem is when you practice in the courts in Indiana is that too many judges get elevated. And that, that... 
people who actually practice under the rules that are adopted and all don't get a sufficient amount of consideration as to whether they're working or they're working in an, in an efficient fashion. So having a practitioner on the court, I think, is a real advantage. Seemed like kind of a low-key announcement. Our system works very well, and because it is, the governor does have to pick between the three people that are given him, and, so, and it has been talked about for months and months. When you say it's a low-key announcement, I'm not so sure that the public's paying enough attention to where that's really ever a big-time, you know, big-time news event kind of a situation. Now, Loretta Rush, being the uh, the woman uh, who's now the chief justice, that and was the a only big-time woman. announcement. Yeah. It was a big-time announcement. That was a great pick. But it would this be nice guy to was have this some guy, more women. Slaughter was one of the finalists last time too. Yeah. So he's yeah. he's clearly this is a great. He's pick. he's a great pick. The There's no question about it. But selected. we still need more diversity on that court. It just suggests the the fact that there was no figurative balloon drop and you know rally sort of thing or surprise is a good thing about the Indiana system. It's done professionally. It's done in a quiet and deliberative manner. Exactly. And as I say, that's the right way to do it. Yep. All right. Here's an election day story we need to catch up with. In the year of the outsider, the winner of the Democratic primary in the 3rd Congressional District is a true outsider. Tommy Schrader lives in a hotel in Fort Wayne and says that politics is in his blood. But he's a high school dropout who is currently unemployed. Nevertheless, he believes he can defeat... Republican Jim Banks in November. Pay our taxes. We don't cause any problems. Have a couple beers, and I smoke cigarettes, and I know it's not good for my health. But you know, I'm not some prude. Definitely not a prude, Han Delaney. What are his chances? Well, I might go way out on a limb here <laughs> and say that I think the Republicans will hold the third district. I, but one of the things that's sad about this, besides obviously this individual, is the fact that we have districts that are so gerrymandered that nobody with, uh, with the intelligence and the fortitude and the resources is going to take on a contest in that district. It, if it's, it's not winnable for a Democrat. And that's, but, that's a disadvantage, I think, for both for the voters, even the majority Republican voters, it's a disadvantage because you don't get the give and take of a contest. Did the Democrats choose not to compete in that district? Basically, yes. Okay. So Jim Banks is going to Congress. The uh, Oh, yeah. The third district is clearly a Republican district, just like the first district is clearly a Democrat district. There are only two districts now that the Democrats are going to compete in this fall, and that's Lake County and here in Marion County. The, you don't they think they're going to compete in nine? nine? No. You, don't think I don't, you know why I don't? Because I don't think they're going to put the $2 million up that you're going to have to do to compete. So he's going to buy, buy the, the seat as well look, as the nomination. He's going to be the, Tennessee, he's going to be the winner. Tennessee Trey. You're not going to spend $2 million Tennessee on that Trey seat. Tennessee Trey is going to buy the they're seat. They're not going to spend it on well, Yoder. Does this, does this suggest that there's something wrong with the system? Yes. Uh, Go out well, on since I just, I just complimented the way well, judicial hey, yes can, let no. me say this. Anybody, can anybody who is a resident of Indiana can file to run for Congress. I don't think, uh, I'm going to go a different direction. I don't think the problem is the party. You were blaming the party for not being engaged. I'm going to blame the electorate because this, this falls into a pattern that Indiana and other states have seen going back 100-plus years where you have this name issue where if it's a familiar name that, and that's a familiar name, I should point out, in that part of the state where you have an auction house that's been around for a long time, an established, respected business, no relationship. Right. But people go in, the, and we've seen it in other races, oh, that might be my cousin, second cousin, or third cousin, or that's my friend's, which is a real indictment, I think, of, of the yeah. seriousness with which voters 
take their obligation to cast intelligent votes. The problem is gerrymandering, John. Uh, Come on, look, go out on a limb. Uh, nah, these, these congressional districts are so much more compact than the ones that were on board when the Democrats drew them, where you had one that went from Monticello, went to Monticello all the way around Marin County down it to It should be thing. drawn You'd by be a, a commission the same way the city council yeah. ones or were done, computer. by computer. John, well, they, these were done John by computer. John Kensenberger, will this be the last time we talk about Tommy Schrader? I hope so. Finally, finally, the preparations continue for the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 later this month. This week, uh, IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon placed the official Indianapolis Motor Speedway sign above the new Gate 1 entryway. It marks the completion of a new plaza. It's part of Project 100, which represents an investment of more than $90 million in the fan experience at IMS ahead of the 100th running. Mike McDaniel, will this race meet expectations? Absolutely. They've already sold it out. It'll be the biggest crowd they've had in over 25 years. The improvements they're making there are going to take it well into the next century, and you're going to have people coming back because of a lot of the changes they're making there. And uh, it's, it's just fantastic. We're, it's, we're in for a great experience this year. Will the 500 restore lost luster I hope so. over time? I just hope the weather will hold. Yeah, I just hope we can get rid of the rain for a few yeah. days and, and have the weather hold. Because I think the, Mike's right. The improvements they've made are phenomenal, and it's going to be a, a very, very good experience for the it, fans. It remains the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, the place is Oh, it's just awesome. I mean, when you go into the Speedway, it's incredible how it feels. And when it comes alive with the cars and the people, there's no better experience. And, and, and yes, it's a new sparkling facility or portions of it. But that's not what really, I think, matters. It's the tradition. And it's a nicer atmosphere for the tradition. But it's the fact that, you know, you hear, you see the balloons, you hear back home again in Indiana, <laughs> gentlemen and ladies start, your, ladies start your engine. And that's, it doesn't matter if, I mean, that's what's special. The Kentucky Derby pales in comparison. Absolutely. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our (laughs) panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shello of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.